2: what up everybody it's rob brant and this is rick brant and we are the brothers brant and we are coming at you live with this quarantine uh we got content after content helping you get through it uh episode 11 was amazing with todd frazier downtown goes Fraser. awesome episode gotta check it out on apple podcast and spotify and we're coming in hot with episode 12 we got jake and Ryan Kalish. And Rick, why don't you give the the listeners a little background on these boys? Rob, it would be
1: my honor to introduce these two gentlemen. Monmouth County natives from New Jersey. Ryan Kalish, star athlete in high school, was named High School Athlete of the Year back in 2006. Same year he was drafted by the Boston Red Sox out of high school. He accelerated through their minors eventually made his debut in 2010, where he was named by the organization as their Rookie of the Year. He spent years there and then spent some time in Chicago with the Cubbies. His younger brother, Jake, not to be outdone, went to Red Bank Catholics Rival High School, which is where Ryan went to. Jake went to Red Bank Regional, dominated in high school, then went to George Mason University, He pitched, he hit, he did everything in the Atlantic 10 Conference. And then in 2015, he was drafted by the Kansas City Royals. And in my opinion, he's just a few weeks away, or at least he was a few weeks away from making his MLB debut. Also to note, Rob, Jake pitched for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic in 2017, which I know we both want to hear more about.
2: Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off with a, you know, a hard-hitting question right here. So, uh, Ryan uh, and Jake, you guys can both answer, but Ryan, I wanna hear your opinion first. Uh, what was it like growing up in the Kalish household, being that you guys are so competitive?
3: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I think uh, it was funny. I think early on, we, we fought a lot. <laughs> through all the, you know, the competition and just, like, pushing each other. Um, But as we grew up, I think that kind of faded away, and we kind of realized that, okay, there's something special going on in this house as far as baseball is concerned, and it was more of a helpful situation rather than, you know, two brothers trying to get ahead of each other. I mean, obviously, I was just ahead of Jake in, in the age group, so it kind of just was a really nice, um, I don't know, it was just a really nice way for Jake to look up to me, I think, and to kind of learn a lot as, as things were going on. I don't know, maybe he can <laughs> speak on it a little better. Yeah, I mean, all, all that's definitely true. When we were younger, um, you know, I think I was before I was 10 years old, we fought a lot, and that's just brothers, you know, but in terms of athletics, anything that we were doing, you know, Ryan was pushing the envelope and I was doing my best to keep up. You know, a lot of people don't know, but uh, Ryan really kind of just set the bar in terms of work ethic. Uh, in high school, he, you know, in the middle of wintertime, my dad set up this uh, little tea station in the garage. No heat, you know, the, the, the garage was detached from our house. And every morning around 545, 6 a.m., Ryan's out there hitting and he's knocking on my door. You know, you want to go hit? I'm, I'm 11, 12, I'm like, no, I'm not going to hit it at at 6 in the morning. But, you know, that's just the kind of uh, the work ethic that you see. And as I got older and finally decided that something I wanted to do was play professionally, it was kind of like, all right, I should probably model what Ryan's doing because it's working out
2: pretty well. Wow, I like that brotherly bonding right there. And there are definitely a lot of fights. I mean, I, I kicked Rick's ass growing up, you know. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I'm just kidding. There was multiple times the parents had to rip Rick off. He had quite the height and size advantage on me. <laughs> yeah, Rick, I remember you're pretty big. you a pretty big cat.
1: Hey, you know, I got to stay in shape. You got to stay in shape, stay healthy, especially now in quarantine. Getting that exercise in on a daily basis is important. Totally.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely. All right, so Ryan, growing up in Shrewsbury, super small town, what was your favorite memory at SBS, the middle school?
3: SBS. Honestly, I think when we moved across town, where we were literally right across the street from school, that first day of school, waking up and realizing that there is no commute here, there's not a lot of time that I have to waste sleeping to get into my class. I think I might have woken up at, like, if it's an 8.20 start, I probably woke up at, like, 7.50. I think
2: that was my favorite day. <laughs> All right. Nice. Jake, what was your favorite uh, memory of SBS? Yeah, I got to
3: go with the uh, with the eighth grade pep rally. I didn't play any basketball in high school. Uh, and I just remember, you know, they – Uh, school finishes up early and you got the all all your friends are in the stands and you're ripping through the banner you know before uh eighth grade basketball season I mean I don't don't know if I got any more hype than that at least up until that point
2: okay and that was your finale you peaked at basketball eighth grade
3: yeah I peaked you know the saying peaked in high school I peaked way before (laughs) high school
2: (laughs) that was like me in baseball I peaked in sixth grade so (laughs) (laughs) uh all right cool so uh Ryan, what was your favorite memory at RBC Red Bank Catholic?
3: Red Bank Catholic, man. I feel like every single Friday night football game. I can't really specify one in general. But just the the amount of attention and love that we got for playing fo- for playing football and the you know, just the way those games were and like looking back now they're so precious, you know, there's one a week for like 12 weeks and that's it, you know, and the amount of hype that, you know, goes with those games and yeah, just the bondage that you you have from those type of team atmosphere is something that I don't really think you can replace.
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh, just to dive in on that. Uh, obviously drafted by the Red Sox out of high school, but I wrote down in the notes, star football player, star quarterback. And didn't you have Donald Brown on your team as well?
3: Donald Brown graduated. Yeah. So he was a year ahead of me, but we played on the same team for a few years and, you know, playing alongside that kind of an athlete was something special.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. And then uh, tell me about the graduation ceremony. Is it true that you didn't wear a hat, you wore a Red Sox baseball cap. No.
3: So what was
2: true was that
3: we were aware that the Red Sox were eyeing to take me, mm-hmm. and so I had to have my cell phone on me during the graduation. Right. So we're walking in, and it's literally like it's as the you know it's it's starting to happen. Everyone's starting to proceed into the auditorium. Huge, you know, at Brookdale. I mean, it was just such a big place. I get a phone Mm -hmm. call. So I had the hat snuck in my back pocket. And so what I did was, was like, I got the call. My parents were in the stands. So I had the hat and I took the hat, my hat off, put the Red Sox cap on. And then like made my way to my parents through the crowd and everyone kind of realized what was happening. Wow. And, and everyone stood up and I got a huge standing ovation before graduation even started. <laughs> That's awesome. And then yeah, just to elaborate on uh, it, I remember because um, we were, you know, in the stands and I hear like some rumbling coming underneath and I'm I turn to my mom and dad. I'm like, he just got drafted. And they're like, you think so? You think so? And then sure enough, he comes out, he got the hat on. That was pretty that was a pretty
2: special day, 100 percent That must have been so cool watching it too and watching that unfold. Um, And then Ryan, so you get drafted, and wa- walk us through the emotional roller coaster at 18, and how that impacted your life. All your friends are heading to college, and you're going to go play minor league ball. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being really honest, Jake will probably remember this. I fr- I was freaking out.
3: I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not like super ready for all of it to happen, especially once. So, I I ended up holding out for most of the summer to get more money. That's kind of how it worked. And I waited all summer to sign. So, I was like getting in this nice groove. I had my girlfriend at the time, and I was hanging out at the beach, and they were just like, just relax. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I think it was just this random day they called me and they're like, okay, you're leaving in two days to go to Florida and start my career. And I just personally was, I panicked, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I I didn't feel very comfortable leaving the regular routine of what it was like to be a kid and to kind of step away from, you know, everything that I, I knew and obviously go off the same path as most of my friends. So in the beginning, it was very, very difficult for me, but it was the best decision I ever made. It was once I got into the groove of the baseball, and stuff, I found myself to be a lot more comfortable, but it was a little
2: weird at first, for sure. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, I have, I have no idea what that would be like, <laughs> I yeah. would imagine it was a roller coaster. Um, now, Jake, you went to Red Bank Regional, and then George Mason. Walk us through your high school career, then playing D1 ball. I wanna hear about it.
3: Yeah, well, my high school career is a lot, a lot different. Um, Actually, I think Rick can kind of attest to this too i I remember playing football my freshman year, and looking back now, I wish I had played all four years, but you can't go back in time and I think Rick, you're my first varsity completion you you had the you, you were my first varsity completion I remember on Thanksgiving Day. Jake,
1: that was a slant across the middle. The ball was put on a dime, and I think I was probably most heartbroken to find out you weren't going to be returning next year on the field because you had everything that a quarterback needed.
3: I I remember that throw to this day. I swear. I've actually I think I might have told that story when I'm starting to get a couple too many Bud Lights in me. I think that's what happens. But um, but yeah, so it was different. I remember making the decision not to play and being real. actually going back to school that next year for my sophomore year of fall I remember being really nervous because I thought there was a lot of expectation and I'll never forget coach Olson who's whoever knows coach Olson out there uh big guy intimidating guy sophomore I'm 15 years old and he's the first guy that sees me in the auditorium in the gym and I'm like oh gosh this is he's gonna rip me apart and he was like, you know, I totally respect your decision because I know what you what you're trying to do. Ultimately, uh, it worked out being the best. I had a great high school career. Um, almost won state. We went back. We went to the state finals back to back year, my junior and senior year. Um, I actually got shelled uh, my junior year in the state championship. I'll never forget that. Uh, and I felt that that was a tough time, but. You know, we – I really saw the program change from my freshman year to my senior year. Freshman year, I think we won maybe five or six games, uh, a little bit better my sophomore year. But then junior year and senior year, we had a lot of good uh, – we had a bunch of good guys on the team and added in a couple of key coaches that helped uh, surround
2: Depot, Coach DiPaolo, uh, and, um, and we really took off. Awesome. And then you're – and then tell me about George Mason. Yeah, uh, George Mason was uh, – if I
3: think – you know, if you think about it, honestly, there were some things that I think that could have been better. Maybe we could have been a, bit, a little bit better of a team. But really just the camaraderie of all the guys is the main point of it. Um, you know, I, I started out pitching and hitting, and then I didn't hit my sophomore year and just pitched, uh, and then came back in 2013. I was my junior. Uh, I was finally in the starting rotation. I tore my elbow. Um, I think that was March that happened. So I ended up having Tommy John and missed the rest of the year. And then the next season, actually that same year, we had been told that we were switching conferences. We were currently we were currently in the CAA. And then uh, we were told we were switching the 8th, 10th. So we were ineligible for the CAA tournament that year, which was a major, major blow yeah. to our team. And, but then to uh, combat that the next year in 2014, we were first year in the eight ten 10. We actually came back and, and won the whole thing. And I pitched I pitched nine innings in the championship game in the Atlantic 10 championship game and got the win. So that was uh, that was that was really how it came full circle. And well, obviously the next year being oh. drafted was, was just phenomenal. And what round did you go in in the draft? I went in 32nd round, and that was uh, that was a tough day. It's a funny story because. I'm sitting in North Carolina. My parents had moved to North Carolina like four, three, two or three years prior to that. And I'm down there playing golf. I'm trying to keep my mind off it. I'm scrolling on Twitter. I'm scrolling on Twitter. And uh, finally, I'm like, you know what? It's not going to happen. So I threw my phone down. Maybe uh, had a couple of dope beverages just to try to take the edge off. And all of a sudden, my phone's ringing. and I'm, It's Ryan. And I'm like, what the hell does he want? Like, I don't want to talk to him. And I, like, answer the phone, and he's like, he's like, yo, yo, you just went. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you just got drafted. You just got drafted. I was like, no way, you're kidding me. And then, sure enough, I got him, uh, as I'm on the phone with him, I'm getting a Missouri number calling me, so I had to take that, and they told me I was drafted, and, you know, I was just incredible to just have it all
2: kind of come full circle. Wow. So, so Ryan's your, Ryan's your agent too, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> in a way you can say that for sure. I mean, the <laughs> amount of times that I've gone to him over my career, especially in my professional
2: career has just been invaluable. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Definitely having a big brother in the biz helps out a ton. So, um, I was going to ask, you know, your favorite memory at George Mason, but I'm going to guess, was it the A-10 championship?
3: Yeah, a hundred percent. That that run we had gone, we were, you know, okay. and won a couple series down the stretch and, and got into the playoffs. So I think we were a sixth, fifth, or sixth seed, and then we just went on a roll. And we won four straight, and that was the end of it. And that run was just, you know, you don't get those all the time, so it's pretty special.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Now. Uh, Looking back at uh, your guys' middle school and high school career, uh, what tip would you give to the young ball players that are listening? Oh, wow. Um,
3: I would say don't get too wrapped up in all the new age, um, like, launch angles and all those sort of things too soon. You know, just really concentrate on hitting the ball. Like, if you're a hitter, I'll let Jake do the pitching um you know keeping yourself trying to hit the ball on a line up the middle of the field and and just practicing that because you know i think we're getting a little bit we're getting so into the scientific details of how to how to hit and how hard you're hitting it and which way to hit it that the old school method is something that really shouldn't be lost especially early in somebody's career Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah just to kind of piggyback off that i think a lot of that stuff is great you know from the pitching side the rap soto data trackman data i think it's important to know what what the ball is doing uh, on certain pitches so you can make it as consistent as possible but at the end of the day that type of stuff is not going to get you out competing is what's going to get you out i think that gets lost now you're trying to be you know, light up numbers and whatever it is, whether it's your spin rate, velocity, um, things like that. And again, those are all good things to have, but you got to have that fire. You got to have that competitiveness. You're not going to be able to go out there and say to yourself, oh, I'm spinning the 2,800 slider today. That doesn't make, you know, that's not going to get you an app. It's about being a bulldog and going out there and competing. And I think that gets lost a little bit for sure. Mm, I
2: like that. Great tips. Now What up, everybody? You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. Now, we're all from Jersey, you know, more specifically Monmouth County, New Jersey. You guys are from Shrewsbury. We're from Little Silver. Um, So Jersey boy lightning round quick questions. When you go to Bagel Masters in Shrewsbury, do you call it pork roll or Taylor ham? Ryan, you can lead the way.
3: Pork roll all day. Pork roll? Okay. Pork pork roll. And just a little side note, I feel like because this is a debate in clubhouses all over the place. It's John Taylor's pork roll. Okay.
2: The brand is John Taylor. The actual meat is pork roll. But anyways – I like this. We just talked to Todd Frazier about it. He said the same exact thing. He said, it's debate all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, next question, when you go to bagel master order, I'm curious for this cause I'm going to have to try it out. But what is your order? What do you guys order? What's the go-to at bagel masters?
3: Oh man. If I'm, if I'm really going for it, uh-huh. like after... so you're, going,
2: you're going for it, Ryan. All right, all
3: right. So on a hard roll, I love the pork roll, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, and then also an everything bagel toasted with cream cheese. Two bagels? Yeah, two, two. Like I said, if I'm really going for it.
2: All right, so guys, I want all the kids to know that if they just have that diet, they can play professional baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish. Jake, what's going on? What are you ordering at Bagel Master? Well, if I'm really going for it, yeah, I'm getting a
3: an everything bagel, pork roll, bacon, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, and then I'm also gonna get a Masters Grill uh, an everything bagel
2: with macaroni side salad. You going for the grand slam over here? Yeah, that's. I mean, you, you don't mess around. Oh, uh, Darren you loves mess. you. Darren loves you.
3: But yeah, I mean, Ryan actually worked for Bagel Masters one off season. He was the right, right? I was. I was the delivery boy. Man, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so he's bringing home, like, I remember him bringing home, like, 12 12 bagels every other day, and I'm just sitting there, just one after the next, I think, for a three-week stretch there in the middle of January. I'm eating nothing but everything bagels. That was a good time. A couple of World
2: Series rings and a highlight of working at Bagel Masters. Fits right in there. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, um, is there a central Jersey? If so, where?
3: Yeah, there's a central Jersey. I
2: mean, our area,
3: Red Bank, Shrewsbury, um, I would say down to like Tom's river. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And across. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. think you think about it, you're an hour 20 on a great day to Manhattan. You're an hour 20 hour 30 to Philly. You know, you're right in the middle. If you're any, if you're in South Jersey, you're you're 40 minutes from Philly. You're two and a half hours from New York. If you're in North Jersey, same thing. You're 40 minutes from New York and two hours from
2: Philly. So, Ryan's on the money there, I think. Jake, with all those math calculations, like I feel like you've had this debate a million times.
3: (laughs) Well, it's funny because of my buddy Nick Deeney. He's a Monroe product. He's with the Royals, catcher with the Royals, and we had a. I told him I was coming on this podcast today and he was like, Oh, what are some questions? And that we've had this debate again. You know, you run into guy you run into Jersey guys all over, you run into it's it's more of the non Jersey people that are like, What the hell are you talking about? But yeah.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent there's a central Jersey. Got it. All right, so uh do you call it the shore or the beach?
0: Hmm.
3: I call it the beach. I never especially once the Jersey Shore came out, I don't think I could ever (laughs) I don't think I could ever go <laughs> to the shore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're referring to it, like, outside of the Jersey, you call it the shore. But, I mean, for us locals, we're going to the beach. Like, let's go hit the beach because it's five, ten minutes away. So, I could see how both sides
2: it. Don't, I don't know if I can take a hard stance on this one. Okay, okay. Okay. And then uh, I have to say this because uh, I feel like New Jersey's when like if somebody else makes fun of New Jersey, like you you step in there. But if it's two Jersey guys going at it, and you kind of you kind of let them do their thing. Um, what's your initial reaction when people not from New Jersey say "dirty Jersey"?
3: Yeah, it's never good. I don't I don't love it. You know, I don't think I don't think most people have had a true proper New Jersey experience. You know, I think. I think our area is probably the in my opinion is the highlight of it. You know, a lot of people take the turnpike and go past the, you know, all the garbage on on that on that road and and kind of get this bad rap and see all the, you know, it's like Megatron's home or something with all the electric and um exhaust and everything. <laughs> I just don't think I don't think it gives a good I don't think it gives a good rap, so I gave kind of fired up because I think there's some amazing parts just like anywhere. Um, Jersey's Jersey's a special place. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, that area right there in Monmouth County, especially with the with the two rivers, the and Shrewsbury and you know, and, and the beach right there, it's just I we've we've been a lot of places, but this, this game's brought us to a lot of different spots and I just feel like it's it's hard to find, especially in the summertime, a better area than uh, that little neck of jersey. So, yeah, you got to defend it. We defend <laughs> it all the time.
2: You and, you and your boy from Monroe probably, uh, you know, have to hold each other back when somebody insults it. Yeah, it's usually we go back to back and we just fend off the crowds. You know? <laughs> all right, so I'm going to get you guys in trouble with this next question. Really hungry. You're in Shrewsbury. Where are you going? Bagel Masters or Stroker's Deli?
3: Bagel Masters all day. Yeah, Bagel Masters. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, not, not even a competition. Not even. A no. Competition. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, you got to remember though. You know, Ryan. Like
3: um, once we what Ryan was alluding to earlier, when we moved across town, we we lived right across the street from from the school. I mean, literally right there. Yeah. And then it, it's a it's a two minute walk to Bagel Masters. It's just this is unbelievable. And this might get – I don't think – I think Ryan had the, the, the line treatment with with Darren, and I don't want to get him in trouble. But I'm pretty sure Ryan had the in there, especially after he had the delivery. Because, you know, cut, Darren's a stickler. He, he doesn't like anybody if – you, if you call in or whatever, you still got to wait in line with everybody else. But I think, I think Ryan might have had a little in there where we'd sneak around the side, maybe Esteban hook us up.
2: That's awesome. That's funny. Now. <laughs> I I have to throw this in here because, uh, you know, you know damn well that your parents are going to listen to this. So, uh, favorite part about your parents growing up?
3: Oh man. Favorite part about my parents. I think their just willingness to support, um, any athletic endeavor that we really wanted to take on or just an endeavor in general. They were very, very, very supportive and you know driving us all around the state if not and flying us all around the country um i couldn't have asked for a you know a better support system ever you know i don't you know they just really gave up a lot of stuff to do what we wanted to do so that was special
2: that's awesome that you acknowledge it that's so cool yeah
3: yeah definitely yeah. Uh, another thing too is the the the- The accountability that they kind of held on us, you know it was it was kind of up to us if we wanted to take on something, especially when it came to athletics, baseball especially, but as soon as you decided you wanted to do it, that was it you're going you're going to put your heart and soul into it, and I think that uh I think that that really helped us a lot in in life, not just baseball
2: mm. yeah, love that accountability were they like when when you were pitching like and practicing did they make you you know, if you said you were going to pitch, like, 50 pitches, then you pitched 49. Were they, were they after you?
3: Um, not necessarily like that. But I remember one time I told my, my dad when he was home, because he traveled a lot, and I know Ryan can attest to this as well, you know, with batting, I mean, his, he threw, gosh, thousands, maybe tens thousands. of thousands, right? I mean, yeah. just yeah. so many rounds of batting practice. But, you know, one time I told my dad, I said, hey, I want to hit at noon or whatever, and I decided – to go bike bike riding with my friends. And he calls me up. He goes, he's at the park, and he was not happy. He's like, I'm at the park. It's noon. Where are you? And he told me, he's like, you decided that you wanted to play, and you wanted to hit today. You better get your, you know what, here. And trust me, I, I got to the park as quick as I could.
2: You rode your bike as fast as you could. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah I, was, I was definitely scared. <laughs> All
2: right. Cool. All right, I'm going to hand things off to Rick. Rick, take it from here. Let's talk some big absolutely i loved all those
1: questions and those answers were awesome guys uh the bagel masters menu has got me craving a master grill right now Ooh. so maybe maybe if aaron can start flying them out that would help
3: i know i've been right. trying to comment on his instagram page i trying to get him set to get like a delivery service started or something let's, let's do see. it let's
1: do it all right so this first question i have is for ryan Ryan, you got drafted by the Boston Red Sox. You were crushing it in the minors for a few years. You were stealing, you were hidden, you were fielding well. I know you dealt with an injury there. Um, talk a little bit about the adversity that you were faced with just getting to the big leagues, because then I want to learn more about what it was like your rookie
2: season.
3: Yeah, so it was, um, you know, the, the biggest adversity that I faced in my minor league career was when I transitioned from single A ball to double A. I had a really tough stretch of of time hitting for the first like three or four weeks of my double A time. And it was almost, I remember being in the outfield and being like, all right, well, I guess I'm just not that good. I'm going to have to figure out what else I'm going to do, you know, with my life after this, because I don't know if I have what it takes to you know handle playing in the in in the minors let alone the major leagues but you know kind of like anything else I grinded it out hard and I, I really worked really hard at my craft and like I said after about three or four weeks things really turned around I think I batted like 133 for the first three or four weeks and then the rest of the season I think I batted like some 350 with a bunch of homers and and whatnot, but that was definitely like the biggest challenge for me was kind of figuring out, okay, like now we're at double A. Do I have what it takes here? And proved obviously that I did.
1: Wow. So it was more mental. It sounds like maybe than it was physical what you had to overcome at that point.
3: Definitely, man. I, it was definitely in my head. I remember having, you know, teammates, older teammates in double A that were, were like. Dude, it's all in your head. Just keep swinging, just keep swinging, and it was, it was funny because I always kind of got this rap that I had a really, I was very strong mentally, um, but really what I was really good at was kind of keeping myself looking composed on the field, and then behind closed doors when no one was looking, that was when I would <laughs> unravel and freak out and panic about if I had what it took.
1: Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for opening up about that. Most people and players probably are a little uh, nervous to say something like that, but I know Rob and I appreciate that. So to our listeners, I, uh, I want to know though, when you got to 20, you were 22 years old, you made your major league debut in 2010 and you just, you know, were stealing bases, hidden grand slams. What was it like at 22 to be on the big leagues?
3: Man it was more, it was more than a dream come true. It was, it was, I don't even know what to say. Every day was this new Christmas, you know, you're going to all these fields, you know, I don't know, Like you're going to all these major league fields that I watched as a kid growing up, not to mention the team that I was on was very, like a very heavily veteran based group of like really, really long time major league talent. So going to the park every day I was learning a ton of stuff not only that I was keeping my mouth shut because any you know just like anything there's a totem pole (laughs) and being a 22 year old youngster with I mean actually Tim Wakefield was the oldest on the team and he was 44 so literally had somebody on the team double my age and it was just you know it was one of those. It was one of those experiences where you really needed to have your respect going for everyone.
1: Unbelievable! Yeah, I remember you being out there, and uh, all of us from New Jersey so proud of what you were accomplishing. And so you spent several years there with the Red Sox organization, and then found yourself in Chicago with the Cubbies. I'd love to know what it was like to play for those two historic franchises, and specifically to be catching in the outfield fly balls up against the Green Monster and the Ivy at Wrigley Field. What was that like?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't – everyone always asks me to compare those two, and there's really no way you can, like, to say one is better than the other. They are both equally as great. Um, And, yeah, I mean, like I said, you're growing up watching these, these stadiums on television, right, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into the atmosphere and you know some people just don't really get this experience in their lifetime but playing in front of crowds like that brings out another level i think of of whatever talent and skills you have it kind of brings you up a little bit so i was very good at harnessing that energy and enjoying the moments um because they were like really super special times
1: Jake, is uh, some of these stories and uh, flashbacks making you uh, just want to get to the big sooner, uh, as soon as possible?
3: Uh, Well, I would love to get there as soon as possible. But, you know, just kind of addressing that time. I mean, watching Ryan debut and all that stuff. I mean, for me personally, it was like a kid on Christmas. You know, imagine an 18-year-old kid that has access to pretty much anywhere in Fenway Park. Uh, it, you know, you're the the that experience was just such a different. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, you watch Ryan; he's out there, he's out there, hitting grand slams. You know, hit first big league, got bad, banging Max Scherzer through the through the four hole. You know, just watching him get there was kind of like for me, like okay, hey, like let's turn up the dial a little bit. And like, I think that's probably when I I started to to really. Tell myself to, to kick up the work ethic a little bit because I was I was had some talent but not really uh, not really the worker and then you know just seeing it all kind of come together and get watch, watch my brother get to the big leagues kind of spark sparked me a little bit for sure.
1: So Ryan's journey was would you say your motivation for maybe where you've gotten to to this point with your work ethic
3: as well? Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. Ryan was always the guy that was like, look, I'm going to be in the gym. I remember when I was in high school and he's working out in the wintertime. Like, I'm going to be at the gym today. I'm going to two a days. Are you even going to show up? And I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, you know, and then, you know, not show up. And and unfortunately, I, I wish I had maybe taken some more development at that time. It wasn't like I wasn't doing anything, but I wasn't on the level where Ryan was at. It was just another level and and it's no surprise to why he got to where he was so fast and had success.
1: Well, you've had a lot of success too, Jake, and I know we've all enjoyed watching it. 2017 was a really big year for you. Two monumental things stand out to me and I'd love to get your take on them. First, you got a chance and had the opportunity to pitch for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic. What
2: was that like?
3: Yeah, that's it's something that you know, not very many people get to experience and just I remember I was supposed to play in the qualifying team in September of 16. That was my first year in, in high A and I had gotten hurt towards the end of the year. So I thought I was out. And then they called me in December and said, you know, they qualified and we want you to be on the team. I was, I was really honestly shocked because, you know, I, I, I know I could I know I could help them, but I didn't know I was being noticed. And then going to you know being on that flight to Korea and showing up and and I think what a lot of the guys on that team there were some big league guys were trying to you know say it was almost like a big league experience in the terms of way you were treated you know staying in a nice hotel um, the per diem things like that just the way you were going to and from the ballpark and then just the atmosphere it's just so different um, the Sky Dome we played in 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 Korea had the bullpens underneath. Actually, in Tokyo, they were both off the field, which was unique. I'd never experienced that before. So you, there's, in Korea, there was, I think, a max capacity of 20,000 people, and we played them opening night. And the weirdest thing was is you went up to the, to the dugout, and it's rocking. But you go down to the bullpen, and you couldn't hear a word. It was like, like you're sitting in church. It was crazy. Um, so that kind of – and then we, we just got hot. You know, we, we, we grinded it out against Korea that first night and got the win and we kind of steamrolled the next two games. And then now we're in Tokyo and that was just 60, when we played Japan, there were 65,000 people there and they're all chanting in unison. It's like nothing you've ever experienced. You Couldn't really hear, but it was like a, it was almost like a wave because you, they be in, they would be in unison then the ch- chant would stop. I mean, it was just something like you never experienced before, something I'll remember forever.
1: That's incredible, Jake. I'm getting goosebumps just the way you describe the atmosphere in that stadium.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was was special. It was really, really special.
1: So this is a two-part question that dovetails into a response from Ryan. But Jake, in 2017, while pitching in AAA for the Omaha Storm Chasers, you actually shared the mound with three-time Cy Young Award winner Clayton Kershaw, who was making a rehab start. You outdueled him with eight strikeouts in seven scoreless innings. What was it like to share the mound with a legend like Kershaw?
3: Um, you know, it, that was a really cool day. It was my—I had just gotten called up to AAA. I made one start prior, and it was—I did okay. I actually got bailed out, which uh, thank you, PD, if you're if you're listening, but um, yeah. And then I remember going to OKC, and we actually got rained out the day before, and I was supposed to start the day before, and I got pushed back one day, and then they're like, "Oh, you're going to pitch against Kershaw." So I was fired up for sure, you know, first time in AAA, and I knew it was going to be a pretty packed crowd, and if in uh, OKC, they they have the upper deck is usually bannered with advertisements, but we showed up the next day and those were all taken away. And I'm, there was 20,000 people stuck in there. And I remember look, coming out of the tunnel and looking out and seeing them warming up and the, this, the buzz. And you just kind of feed off that. I think I remember I came out of the dugout and I was pretty, you know, I was pretty locked in, but I was like, you know, I'm going out. I'm going to try to beat this guy. You know, That's was, awesome. really,
2: yeah.
1: now Ryan, Ryan, I wanted to ask, Throughout your career, who was maybe if you could nail it down to one in particular, the most difficult or challenging pitcher that you had to face throughout your career?
3: Oh man, I think I always go with uh, Felix Hernandez. I think facing him, especially in, in back in you know twenty ten, twenty or twenty eleven, twenty twelve, those times he was. In his prime, throwing all you know ninety-eight with a slider at about ninety-one with a changeup and everything. And it was just the most electric stuff. It was the most electric stuff I'd ever seen before. Um I went one for four off of him and I really hit him hard the one time I got a hit. It was a double off the green monster, but the other times were all strikeouts and <laughs> they were not pretty. I mean, he really <laughs> made me look foolish. Hey, you weren't the only one. King Felix was a monster
1: in his prime.
3: Exactly.
1: So so that's, uh kind of leads me into my next question here. I'm going to have some fun with this one. If today, Ryan, you had to face Jake in 10 at-bats. So you're up at-bat. He's <laughs> on the hill. In 10 at-bats, how many hits are you getting? How many strikeouts is Jake getting?
3: <laughs> uh, well, I mean... If we're really going right now, I think Jake strikes me out every time. I, I, I typically need a, a little bit of time of of some live pitching before there's any real possibility of me doing any anything well. I think, you know, if I'm judging by any one of my comebacks. But I guess let's just put it into, like, when I'm grooving. I think I, I, think I go three for ten off of him, you know, and maybe strike out twice. Hey, three for ten is Hall of <laughs> Fame numbers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I know, I'm
3: saying.
1: What do you think, Jake? How about Jake, how about <laughs> well, when, Ryan, when Ryan's – like, let's go Ryan in his prime, you right now in your prime. What do, what do we got
3: there, you think? Yeah, Ryan would have been a tough out because, uh, one, first of all, he's pretty much told me how to pitch all lefties in general. Um, so, I'm sure he's looking for a two-seamer in, and then if I miss missing, he's looking for a spin. Um, but, no, I think it would be a good battle. I, Three for 10, I'd like to say I'd, I'd like to hope that I could get him out, uh, you know, a little bit more than that. But I think that's that would be pretty fair. You know, right. When Ryan was in his prime, he I mean, he's freaking he's tough out, tough out. You know, he got a. especially a guy like me that's more of a command guy. Uh, you know, I got to pick and choose my spots and then and, uh, and try and get on the hands if I can. That's 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 really I don't, I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, well said on that. About.
1: Well said. We know Ryan's a contact hitter. He's a great hitter. I think, in fact, his senior year at Red Bank Catholic, it was rumored he did not swing and miss once his entire season. So, a strong hitter, to say the least.
3: <laughs> yeah, was that, that was – Is that true, right? It's true. <laughs>
1: All right. <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That is confirmed data.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I remember that, never not once.
1: Well, here, Jake, my last question for the podcast, and uh, you know, obviously, we're all sitting here in quarantine mode because of the coronavirus pandemic. But you were having a strong spring training. I know you were probably, likely going to start at AAA, but very, very probable that maybe this year could have been the year that you made your major league debut for the Kansas City Royals. Talk to us and the viewers about how you're you're staying in shape, you're staying in baseball shape, and staying connected with your teammates and coaches.
3: Yeah, so, so far the Royals have been doing a great job with uh, keeping in in contact with us. We've been doing Zoom calls, uh, things like that, just to kind of check in. But, I mean, really it's kind of the same as any other offseason. I'm trying – I go – I'll lift three days a week, condition two days a week, and then um, I'm throwing pretty much five to six days. A week and with two bullpens, and those bullpens kind of vary on on what day a week. But yeah, it's just it's kind of go back to off season mode. You get here, we were feeling really good and and getting ready, but there's nothing we can do. Just gotta wait. I mean, everybody's in the same boat. It's not just baseball. You know, everybody's waiting to get back to doing what they do, and uh, hopefully we can get back soon and uh, and get out there because it should be a fun year.
1: Yeah, what do you think? you think we're going to be out there this, this season at some point?
3: Um, yeah, I think, we, I, I think there'll be a season. It's going to be something like nobody's ever seen before. Um, and I don't know if there'll be a minor league season or not, but um, I hope so. And if not, I hope I'm still there. there's a way that I'll be working out to stay in shape. But uh, I think it's going to be a shortened season, um, but it should be exciting. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I hope so. For all of our sakes, we get back to playing some ball. And before I let you guys go and we sign off here, I just wanted to make a note too. Ryan, you've been staying busy since you uh, retired a few years ago. You've been working and and owning a company with a couple friends. You said Birdman Bats. Give give the listeners a little bit of information about Birdman Bats and uh, what you've got going on these days.
3: Yeah, so Birdman Bats is run up in – um san francisco california it started it started out of my buddy's basement and now it's you know it's it's made its way to a warehouse and we you know i mean we're a competitor we're 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 trying to compete with the Maruchis, the louisville sluggers of the world and and establish ourselves as one of the main brands in professional baseball um, We specialize in being a little bit funky. Our logo is definitely a little bit funky. For all the listeners that are out there, you check out birdmanbats.com. You can check it out for yourself. Um, The sketch is a half man, half bird. And it it literally is put there to kind of keep you loose. Supposed to be a, a bit of a funny sketch so that when you're about to go hit, you can look down and remember that you're meant to have fun out there. So. Um, That was that was the main squeeze there. And I've also since retiring, I've become a Pilates instructor. So um, kind of, yeah, getting in myself into the fitness industry. Um, Yeah, so I've been teaching Pilates. I still do teach. Um, And I also I did some player development work for the Los Angeles Dodgers last year. So that was kind of fun. So I'm kind of dabbling in different aspects of life and Kind of trying to see where things go, transitioning out of being a professional baseball player is is a weird is a weird thing um, and it's an ongoing process
1: well, I think uh, anybody that knows the kalish and the kalish families we know that you guys will be successful with whatever you end up doing either during your playing career or. After you both are hung up the cleats and retired, but Rob and I can't thank you enough for joining us here on this podcast for giving us a little look inside the big league world and all the amazing accomplishments that you guys have done over the years. So thank you guys for joining us today.
0: Yeah. yeah that, no
3: pro- Oh, sorry. Rag. No problem. That was really good. That was fun. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, so thanks.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, and, uh, you know, just wishing you guys a lot of safety right now and health and all that stuff, and, you know, can't wait to, can't wait to see you guys soon.
3: Yeah, same to you guys. Stay safe. Hopefully uh, gets, we get through this soon. Definitely. Yeah, we'll
1: get, we'll get through it all together. But uh, for everybody out there, I'm Rick
2: Brandt. And I'm Rob Brandt, and this is the Brothers Brandt Podcast. And, guys, stay safe. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: winner.